Hello everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're speaking with Janine Proust and we're in a park in Melbourne. It's beautiful and warm. Hi Janine. Hello. <laughs> um, can I ask you to begin with what you're excited about? about the f- <laughs> the uh, the p- potential I see in dance and music or dance and singing especially to uh, to let to give life a voice or a body if we go literal um, to let life let be heard what wants to be heard or be seen what wants to be seen sounds a bit abstract maybe but to me it makes sense it's something I'm excited about that makes sense that life um, do you feel though like that you just you're already doing that just by living yes but I also feel in many subtle and less subtle ways I and we am and are blocking it um I feel, yeah, I was a bit reflecting on this a bit today, like I feel I have a, an idea that I get in my own way and that we all do, um, but then I'm aware that that's just an idea that I have, but uh, that there, you know, the quite general uh, spiritual idea of ourselves as you know, the mind only being a part of ourselves and that that's most, mostly the level that I'm living from and we're all living from um, and I I notice in myself a desire in life to go beyond that but I see the potential, especially in dance and music uh, to really uh, practice and live going beyond that I feel it's easier in those avenues and more powerful So, I feel if I'm doing it already, I don't, yes, of course, we're all doing everything already, all the time, (laughs) but um, I also, I do feel like I am striving towards more, more freedom, more, uh, more truth in my actions, more directness, less filtering, yeah, more love ultimately, I guess. <laughs> if, if we get straight to the point at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, let's go straight <laughs> to the point. Because, of course, like yeah. as soon as somebody says, actually finally says the thing, then it, it's very clear that we're all we're all after the same thing. Yeah. What does that look like to you, though? How do, how does that manifest? Uh, the goal or the process? 
worthless. Ah. <laughs> Let's do the goal first. <laughs> if you can separate them, yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like an exercise to imagine what it looks like because, of course, I don't know and no one knows, but I do think there's actually value in uh, visualizing and and imagining and projecting what we want. Um, like we casually mentioned the secret when we were walking here. I'm totally into all of that. Um, so I feel like what it looks like is based on the glimpses that I've had of it that I have actually experienced. So um, where on a personal level where I don't feel like I'm, my ego is so active, where I don't feel uh, like I'm reacting to people's behavior in a defensive way or a protective way or all this kind of stuff, or I get offended or I get agitated or um, they're to me all signs that there's something else happening other than just the simplicity of me being in the world and other people being in this world so um, so I used a lot of knots so what it does look like is um, people being open, free loving, aware that conflicts are you know, conflicts can exist but there's a level of consciousness, a level of uh, a communication and tools of how to uh, raise any any issues, any anything that could become a problem. Yeah, not letting things spiral into problems. This is like on a one-to-one -one level, but it's also you know globally and between mm. nations. And, mm. um, well, it's not really the diff. There's not really a difference. Um, I remember someone saying that world peace is achieved by um, endless small acts of peace or kindness mm -hmm. or goodness. Yeah. That actually you just need... That everything big is made up of everything small. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. And so if you just stop fighting... If everyone just stops fighting with their yeah. neighbours... Yes, totally. Or, or with yourself. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's quite... And it's so much easier said than done, but it's really... It's so important, and I feel like I'm at a stage in my life where every day I'm reminded by how important it is and that it's not just a self-indulgent happiness quest that really I do at this point in my life believe that that is the most effective way that I can contribute to change by by living it, by living peace, like you say, um, and really taking that practice seriously. And whenever I notice I fall, you know, then it seems self-indulgent then to take time to see, oh, why did I get upset there? What can I, uh, you know, but at the moment it seems like the only way that I can, mm. um, that I can get better at that. And, and I, I truly believe that if I get better then people around me get better and if you know this kind of uh, idea yeah and one day it will ripple through to the president of the United <laughs> States 
Um, and tell me how that filters through to process, because I agree, my, my feelings are... So when I studied at VCA and there was a huge upheaval, as I'm sure it is with every first-year student that goes to study dance, about what dance can be. Yeah. And I remember thinking and still hold on to this belief, so maybe I haven't grown as much as I possibly could have, <laughs> <laughs> that... Um, Yes, it can be useful to consider that everything can be dance, but just as there is a difference between talking and singing, mm -hmm. there is a difference between not dancing and mm. dancing. And I don't know if that difference is always what it looks like or what the intention is or what the feeling is or what you're trying to relay, but there is a, a change that happens. Mm. There is a difference to my experience of it or whatever. Yeah. Even if I can't quantify what that is. So I guess I wonder about your... Um, when you were saying about, like, yes, you can do these things by just being in the world, but then I'm interested yeah. to see how you can do these things. And that's, I guess, why you're saying that dance and other forms of performance get... Like somehow get you there more quickly or something. Yeah. Are the glimpses into the other? Yeah. Well, this is very much an area of research where I feel I have a lot of unanswered um, questions. But like you, I have ha had experiences. So experientially, I can, uh, you know, testify to things. That's how you say testify. it. Well, I don't yeah. know. If that's testify. the word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but and I also am aware that I I particularly say music and dance and that might just be because for me personally that's what I'm drawn to that's definitely the case and I'm also still open to seeing if it's actually more universal than that that it's not just me um, that particularly those two forms are very powerful in terms of going uh, beyond our everyday knowing of who we are. Something to do with that, I think. Um, and I... It, the thing is, it totally... That's what it has the potential to be. It also very much has the potential to be a huge, yeah. exaggerated version of all your shit sides of yourself whatever like it can yeah. be whether you know it can um, it can totally just be uh, yeah it can be a tool for uh, right-wing propaganda it can be anything you want it to be so it, so but what I'm feeling it does have the potential to be is is uh, an experience of the of the beyond in the sense of it's funny to say the beyond because the beyond is actually also like the within it's not uh, like poetic up there beyond no. yeah so <laughs> it's the you know if you I've recently been going to this uh, meditation at the Sri Chinmoy Center and they teach stuff that I've been, you know, practicing for years and I've heard from many different teachers for years, but they said it in such a simple and effective way. So the idea that 
we're all existing of five layers of bodies in a very simplified way of putting it. Um, and they call it the, the physical, the vital, the mental, the heart and the soul. So, and they go in order and there are like Sanskrit names for this and stuff like that, but this is a very beautiful basic way to put it. And most of us are living in the physical, the vital, or the energetic and the mental. And then the step from the mental to the heart is also the step that's from the, the finite idea of ourselves to the infinite idea of ourselves. I'm just putting a lot of stuff into two sentences. But what I'm saying is that I very much feel through my experience of dancing and singing is that I can take that step from uh, an idea of Janine in this body with, you know, 29 years of life and la 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 to a vaster and more expanded view of who I am which is, you know, the heart and then the next step would be the soul which would be the most expansive view um, at the same, yeah I'm, also, I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of the most expansive also actually being the most intimate the most uh, subtle, you know so what are we talking about? we're talking about Dance. Oh, I loved what you were saying about like from talking to singing and from so in dance it could be from moving to dancing. Um, yeah, there's a shift. There is a shift, and I'm also because I kind of went through my training and also the first few years after training very much, you know, just rebelling anything that I could rebel really, and, and <laughs> very much thinking that I was much more clever than any teacher and any choreographer out there already this okay. kind of idea so I and you're completely beyond that now hey you don't do that anymore no <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know but I, I did actually I went to visit my choreography teacher in Canada recently because I had to be in Canada for something else and she lived nearby and I was so it was so nice that we're like friends now because um she was the head of choreography at London Contemporary Dance School where I studied. And I was so mean to her in her classes back then. But anyway, she still loves me. We're, we had good adult conversations now. Um, but what I'm saying is that I used to really very much argue for the idea that, you know, I can stand on stage and wiggle my toes and it's dance and this kind of idea... And I still believe that, and it serves a purpose. Um, yet now I am more interested in in that I physically have an experience, physically or energetically, whatever you want, to, whatever layer is on. I I feel a shift from moving to dancing. I feel a shift from sounding to singing. So uh, yes they're all valid forms of expression but what is the you know what makes the shift what is the, that that transition I'm very uh, very fascinated by that question and intrigued um, I like what you're saying about that the expansive is the intimate mm. and that the beyond is within mm. I don't have anything to add to it. I just <laughs> thought that it was a really nice summary of something that was open enough that it could be individualized to whoever heard it. Yes. I know that when I'm 
dancing, and I just did this development recently down at Frankston Art Centre with Josh Thompson. And there's a couple of scenes that feel very much more like, um, I don't know, posing or physical theatre or representation or something like that, like re referencing an idea mm. through my body language. But I feel that it clicks into dancing when there's some kind of um, ride. Yeah. There's either a ride of movement and momentum or there's some kind of playfulness mm -hmm. or cheekiness or something. Yeah, they're beautiful ingredients, I think, mm. of, of the mm. dance or of the... Um, yeah, I feel the ride, I very much resonate with the ride or a sense of surrender. That's why I feel like I'm so busy with this idea of getting out of the way of myself or, you know, so then it's also what am I surrendering to? And that's where I guess that idea of the vastness, I'm surrendering to the vastness at the same time that means I'm surrendering to the, the purest core of myself, actually, you know? Mm. I mean, pure is a very, not such a cool word to use. I'm aware of that. Um, but uh, to me, it means something. I, I, uh, I don't get, uh, I don't think it's a, a yucky word. Some people do. Um, but the, I've been doing a lot of this vocal um, training. It's kind of a, a vocal meditation practice, but it's through through a lot of sighing and singing it's called Wild Roots Vocal Journey and it's very much uh, riding waves and um, the idea of letting he talks the teacher he talks a lot about mama music and the idea of letting her sing and I feel very similar in, in, in dance the idea of letting her dance through me um, and at the same time not thinking that the her is actually not me you know you know that this is again this idea of the, the vast and the intimate and um, but yet it's not the me that I know from every day it's not the me my thoughts and my to-do list and my you know it's it's another part of me who's possibly a part of everyone yeah mm. so and also I feel in that sense it's like uh, instead of worrying about what I'm dancing about, it's like what am I dancing for or who am I dancing for or you know uh, that's also a, a question that's been coming up for me um, yeah. yeah Ivy Warren talks about um, not somehow not doing the dance mm. but being available for the dance totally totally yeah and can can you talk a little bit about what um what thoughts you've had around what you're doing the dance for or what you're letting the dance be done for Who yeah because i i'm so i feel if i dance in kind of more of a ceremonial or a, a prayer kind of context I can do it in the moment you know I can do a practice where I 
I aim to make myself as available as possible for whatever needs to be expressed in the moment or healed in the moment or I could set an intention uh, for what I feel I would like to see change in or you know or offer or heal or um, and then dance for that um, but I am at a stage now where I'm interested again in creating work for uh, for an audience let's say not necessarily for the stage but um, you know in creating art so then it's I am um, you know then there is of course content in a show and um, so I feel yeah this is actually it's very, I'm very much in the research stage of this question but <laughs> I there is a value in in dancing being witnessed uh, it, it strengthens I think the intention of the dancing so there I do see a, a purpose for making performance and um, and the doing doing it for similar I think in in a idea of prayer you know I mean I say prayer like I, I used to be so against all religion but now the word prayer means uh, to me really means it's uh, a way to mani- to manifest what we want mm-hmm. to 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 wish for what goodness we want to see in the world or what or in ourselves or um, and then I feel and I hope that the what I'm dancing for and what I'm dancing about are actually quite fluid and and will fluid in the sense that they kind of hopefully would become the same thing in a sense that my uh, I feel at the moment a lot of my prayers are for the waters of this planet or for the the healing between the masculine and the feminine and that, you know there there are around themes that are reoccurring so these themes could be the for and the about what I'm dancing but I'm very much sharing now very early stages of a new work that's <laughs> coming brewing here yeah, mm. yeah. there's a um, uh, what was it the reading a text this morning that I can't remember the name of but it's centered around critical thinking and reflection mm-hmm. and it, it was talking that one of the most impressive powers of the mind is to take what we know and then um, speculate about if we applied that to the unknown or to the future Mm-hmm. Then, what might be the outcome? But then also, that is its biggest uh, trap. Limitation. Right? Limitation yeah. is yeah. to think that knowing something means that you know other things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> I don't know <laughs> what to say to that <laughs> straight away. But I very much am experiencing the limitations of my mind, for sure. Mm. I can say that. What are you, what are you coming up against? Um, that my mind can only ever know so much that's what I feel that there is no infinite in the mind yeah um, and maybe I feel that because that's what I've learned from several spiritual traditions but um, it also makes a lot of sense to me and I'm quite inspired by um, well geniuses in all fields actually you know, in the arts of course, I'm most inspired by musicians who, um, who, who um, have gone beyond the limitations of their their mind, and and they they talk about it in that way also that they're tapping into uh, a knowing that's much vaster than their minds. That's much, you know, like uh, like four-year-olds who go and sit behind a piano and can play anything they want it's not because their mind has learned it it's coming they're tapping into a knowledge from uh, yes another form of wisdom that we all have access to but not as long as the mind is arrogant enough to think that it's the most intelligent part of us you know this kind of uh, the arrogancy of the mind I'm very much um seeing a lot lately in myself and in others not that we're you know not arrogant always in the way that we think of arrogancy but just that my mind has a tendency to think it knows better than life (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah, that's uh, a habit (laughs) quite amazing (laughs) so um what do you do with all of this? Like, when you go into a studio? Uh, yes, well... <laughs> I have to take... Oh, helicopter. Um, I've taken quite a lot of time out of the studio, actually, of my own processes. I've worked with other... four other choreographers, but... Um, so, yeah, you're catching me at a state where I'm about to go back into the studio and see what I do with all of this. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm excited but I, because I feel I'm really stepping into the idea of a creative process very differently now and um, in a much more surrendered state, I feel, and a much more... Uh, less needing to know or needing to, you know. Mm. But perhaps also a much more steeped state. Like you are... Meaning? Full of the experience of the thing that you're going in to deal with. Yes. Because you've been living it as a daily construct. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And I... I, f- I feel I'm going into the studio seeking also for an experience, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, more than anything. Uh, how do you um, prepare yourself for that? How do you make, do I prepare a space so that it's ready to give you an experience? Yeah. <laughs> um, I do the, you know, I do the things that I know to do, like... <laughs> um, 
preparing well finding the right like finding a space that for me feels conducive first of all like feels uh, peaceful and open like it has it needs to be available for for anything to happen mm-hmm. but and physically go through techniques and exercises and processes that I uh, either that I know or that will come in the moment from the intention of wanting to be available I think you know and there I do see I've over the last you know 10 years met gathered tools from different people in different contexts and now I actually see, like, for years I've been so attracted to Ross Crisp's, Rosalind Crisp's work. And for many years for me it was very much just on a physical, intellectual level, actually. Like, my brain was so excited by how confused she would get me mm-hmm. in a physical way, like her improvisational tasks, which she doesn't call improvisation. I'm sorry, Ross. <laughs> um, but now I see how that's actually also resonating with me on, let's say, on this more kind of spiritual level, if that's what you want to call it, what I'm interested in now. So many different letting go techniques, I think. And now with the vocal work, um, I see myself, I really, it's my dream to incorporate that. Like, I've always wanted to be a singer. <laughs> uh, and maybe it's not going to lead to that but definitely in my process um, yeah the this, the idea of sighing being the most uh, the, the purest vocal uh, the, the most honest we can be in a moment to sigh mm. to sigh the, the most honest sigh of that moment mm. in sighing you're not shaping you're just uh, as Amit, the teacher, would say, you're letting her in and you're letting her out. I do yeah. like the idea that um, the thing that you don't have, that happens without you, I mean, the thing that happens without you, even though you can hijack it and take control of it, is breathing. And the breathing mm-hmm. is a audible and vocal act as well as a movement act Mm. and so at any point any movement or song feels contrived you can let everything go and do absolutely nothing and the authentic need to breathe Mm -hmm. will come back yeah and then you can start turning volumes up from there in the direction that you want in the aesthetic that you want to highlight certain things but that everything in the is every movement and every song and every dance and every word is an exaggeration of breath yeah yeah, yeah. actually this is a very beautiful way to put it ian mcclellan um talks about the power of live theater in the same way that something that his body is resonating vibrates the air that vibrates your body and your ears yeah. and that that is an intimate act mm-hmm. yeah very much if we're yeah we can train ourselves to become more sensitive to that also I think to that's a good point to actually. resonate on that kind of level so that we don't need uh, you know, crazy physical feats, or or the same can be, 
yeah. auditory feats to feel any kind of resonance for the resonance to be much more subtle but actually much more deeply felt than yeah, on that level yeah. yeah yeah and this oh, it's so good that you brought up the breath because that's really that really is the only essence we have really and the only um like it's a proof that we are not in con there's something more powerful than our minds because you cannot actually stop your breath only with your mind you know i mean you know yeah. you know you, there's a way to do it of course but it involves something physical so and yeah um, i remember even asking someone yeah, you go into a jail cell and you have to hand over your shoelaces and your belt and all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And and I remember thinking aloud, well, can't you just hold your breath until you die? Yeah. And now, like, well, no, because as soon as your mind fails from lack of oxygen, then your body takes over and it yeah. starts breathing again. It's yeah. not up to you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your body or life. I, I yeah. really think breath is the... Yeah, the 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 essence of life. I mean, this is such a or even at at a cellular level, just respiration. Yeah, in itself, at 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 taking in and then at giving out. Yeah, yeah. Why, why are you? You mentioned only like about to go back into the studio. Yeah. What What led to you being not in the studio? Um. I I feel I just the last eighteen months or so I've really gone with the flow, <laughs> <laughs> and it's led me to many many places around the world, but not so many dance studios. Yeah. So Tim Derbyshire calls them empty rooms. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're empty. They're not always rooms and not always <laughs> empty. So yeah. What was your question? Where? Just, why um, haven't I been in the Why studio? haven't you been in there? I think I made a, a work two years ago for the Melbourne Fringe and it, it, it didn't uh, fulfill me fully. Uh, so I feel like I, uh, that was probably the first kind of trigger for me to step back a bit. And then, oh yeah, then many travels rolled into each other and uh, experiences I think I needed. I spent quite a bit of time, well it was actually only maybe a three month period, but I was really getting intensely into um, Kizomba and Salsa. Kizomba is another partner dance. Um, so that was like my main dance practice like this time last year Um, so I think I was really uh, opening up to see yeah to see what it is that I need at this point in my life you know not really knowing uh, not wanting to direct with my will so much you know more being available to what is coming and this this vocal work came into my life about a year ago now and it really just uh how you say like hit the nail on the head or you know something like that it really 
really resonated with me as something I've been looking for without actually looking for it but something I've been wanting for a long time so I have been following that quite a bit um, yeah and, and until last week also actually I still thought my focus would be on teaching and on on uh, using dance and yoga uh, more as a spiritual practice and to share that with people through teaching um, but it's yeah really in the last couple of weeks I'm first I was drawn again to teach it through maybe ritual performance and now this week I'm drawn again to share in performance and it can even be in an artistic context again and um, so yeah you know maybe next week if we talk again there'll be another story it's all <laughs> very much very uh, yeah. and and now you think you should go back into the studio yeah go back into the studio I have this yeah a renewed desire also physically to uh, to expand myself yeah to maybe well I think there are many reasons that led to this feeling but one of them is that I started learning guitar this year also and on the guitar it's so obvious that I have such a restricted palette available to me compared to what that instrument can do. So, you know, with my five chords and stuff, you know, it's very... But there's such a... I feel such a passion to learn, you know, as much as I can of that fretboard and of everything of that guitar. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to feel that I've... By not focusing so much on my practice in the studio that I have not been treating my physical, my dance practice in that way either. So I'm really uh, uh, drawn again to, not at all from a ego kind of place or from a place of like having to show what I can do. It's not that, it actually feels really good that it's coming from a place of like, you know, well, if I feel that with the guitar, if I want to do the guitar justice by learning it as well as I can so that I can let that instrument sing the way it can sing, I feel the same about my body. I want to do my body and whatever else is manifested through my body. I want to do it justice. So, Or I think, like I said before, I want to do justice to life, that to whatever not in any way limiting or blocking the expression and the life that could come through me so that's a, a renewed desire I have there when I thought I was at the end of my dance career <laughs> at 29 yeah what would make you think that you're at the end because I had lost uh, interest slash faith I think in in, in the the contemporary dance community or the arts community I felt I wasn't uh, very I wasn't very inspired by the work I see around the work I was making myself the the kind of conversations the kind of lifestyles that you know I felt more drawn to hang out with people in India you know <laughs> like I, I kind of went on that path for a while and Let's see. I, I'm really hoping for a, a way that I can merge 
everything that I feel inspired by. And, uh, and there's no... It's nice, I'm not like... I don't feel like I need to feel any particular place in the scene or I need to... You know, there's really no... I think, I feel, uh, who knows, I, I feel like I don't have an attachment to success. to success in that kind of sense, in the sense of other people thinking I'm a great performer or choreographer, or, you know, but I do now actually really have a desire for success in the sense of that I cannot be limiting anymore what I'm giving to the world, you know, I need to it's great that this is being recorded <laughs> I need you know it sounds so cliche like I need to give all I have to give mm. like I that's we just cannot do any less than that so I'm that's what I'm hoping to go for now well I'm going for it let's just see where it goes I like that yeah who is that um that famous quote by a choreographer and she's saying that like it's not up to you to decide what you're what you have and what the world needs and what you give you just have to give everything that you can give because if you hold it back then the world will never have it mm. if you judge I don't it, know that one actually mm, I'll find out while we're okay while we're in discussion because I put it up on my Facebook when I was like second year of ECA okay <laughs> It's amazing how these kind of quotes can, like, you know, the good ones, like, every year you see them again, there's so much more depth to them, or you have such a different, ah, a deeper something. understanding of them, or yeah. they mean something else. Yeah. Or they mean more, yeah. Yeah, I, I very much also, in different ways, the ideas come into my life that sure you can want something and it's good to know what you want what your true desire or passion or you know what your what your heart is calling for but then it's really not up to us like all we can do is put out there what we want and go for it but there's <laughs> it's not um it's not in our control in the end what is going to happen or the different ways to say that well, one is like okay know what you want but how you want is up to life you know it's not uh, the weight of getting there is or how it's going to manifest mm -hmm. is you got to stay open do you know what you want do i know what i want no well, i'm doing this process now of, of, <laughs> of clari clarifying uh -huh. what i want at this stage in my life like clarified yeah. butter Yes, delicious. <laughs> like, like ghee. <laughs> like ghee. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that process? Well... Like, how do you know... Now, actually, I'm literally, like, I just got this really cool book that I like called The Passion Test. Ah. And it actually literally is a step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm. So... The Passion Test. And one of the things I keep repeating is... Um, Intention, attention, no tension. <laughs> so, like you know, that. setting your intention, 
putting the attention on what you want, which is often not what we do. We put a lot of attention on all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. Also a lot of negative stuff. So yeah, putting your attention attention in the right place and then no tension, like be open, let go uh, for how it's going to manifest. And I feel these kind of processes really do work. I do really see... Um, the clearer I am about what I want, the clearer they show up, things show up in my life. Mm. That's also a thing they keep repeating. Something like, when you know what you want, what you want will, or when you're clear on what you want, what you want will happen in your life and only to the extent that you are clear. So this is also what I see. I see things manifesting in my life that are like, half of what I was hoping, you know, and then it's like, okay, so maybe what did I do wrong here? <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like the perfect house pops up and everything except they give it to someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes. Or I don't know, there have been a few things lately where I thought, oh wow, this is too good to be true. This is exactly what I was hoping for. And then it kind of ends up not exactly being the thing. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, where do you think what you want comes from? Oof. Well, <laughs> I think there are different kinds of what you want. I think, you know, there are like uh, what you want in a desire form, which serve a purpose also. Um, but then there's the I do feel I'm really trying to tune in with the what I want in a in the sense of what is my purpose here in this lifetime, I guess. In, you know, in, so what I I feel like the the biggest ones have to be connected to what I'm here to do or what life is giving you know wanting me to do here. So I think that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, Dharma, you can call it. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I also believe and have witnessed in little bits in myself and in huge ways in other people that if you're, you know, if you're really getting in touch with those ones, the deep ones that really your soul is calling for, and you're putting your attention on those then these will manifest because they are the ones that are why you are they're the ones that you are here to manifest you know yes. I I do believe that but you know at this stage in my life I'm open to believing something else later on yeah so are you making a show at the moment well I'm I don't have an, an outcome set yet. I'm more interested in taking the step again of, you know, seeing my dancing as an arts practice as well, not just as a uh, as a, a way to teach other people to be more attuned or as a way to be more attuned myself. Mm -hmm. But also, yeah, at this stage I feel it's more an, an investigating again how could, what, yeah, you know, what is the role of arts in all of this or the role of performance in that context, in an artistic context? Mm 
So yeah, I'm, I am very much, I am dreaming of a show. Also, yeah, I'm hoping to work with live music as well, because that's becoming a, a bigger... I've always, well, you know, it's one of those things. I think everyone loves music, so... I've always loved music, I've just never really let it in to the extent that I am letting it in now, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm dreaming a show, but it's not... No rush. <laughs> How do you dream of a show? Well, I'm... I'm noticing what I get excited about, like, I'm noticing the kind of image, you know, the kind of visions of it that are coming naturally. I do actually have actual dreams as well, like nighttime dreams about it. Um, and how do you dream up a show? Yeah, well, maybe the, the question is more like, what is that feeling? when you notice that you're excited about something. Because the thing is always different for everybody, but that moment is probably quite a universal moment mm. of, of something resonating with you. Yeah. Like how do you notice that? What does that look like and feel like? And how do you put yourself in the pathway for more of that? Yeah. Uh how do you notice it I just I try to know <laughs> I try to be open and aware and and do you and go days without it and then think oh shit I'm, I'm doing something wrong I've got to expose myself to something oh, else oh in life yes I, I go through periods where I've, I notice I'm not so excited about what I'm doing on a day to day basis yeah and that's now I very much see that as a a red traffic light or a, a uh, yeah a sign that that's it, it's not where I'm should where I should be putting my attention you know like a, so I it's yeah it sounds I think maybe all very idealistic but I I do believe that we need to be in love with what we're doing or mm. fulfilled by what we're doing mm. all the time and that's not just for the fortunate few you know and um, so yeah I do really that's one thing I'm trying to do only doing what I want <laughs> only doing what I love and it's uh, I do believe that that's possible at the same time I'm not quite there yet. I know that in reality I'm doing things I don't love sometimes. But yes, noticing what I love, not judging what I love, you know, not thinking I should be interested in something when I'm actually not, I'm actually interested in something else, or that's definitely been a process in the last few years. Mm. Yeah, to be really honest with myself and, and excited also mm. for that, yeah. What, how do you know the difference? between like at some point have been convinced that this thing is important and that you should do it yeah. versus okay this is the thing that is real yeah real interest or something uh, 
how do I know the difference? Maybe there is no difference. Oh, Maybe there is. There's like intuition. That's definitely yeah. something. And uh, yeah, there's the unquantifiable, you know, idea of what's making your heart sing. Mm. And I do know. I'm starting to recognize that feeling more and more. So yeah. there's that's that. That's not what makes your heart talk. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> what makes it sing. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Any other epiphanies that you want to share? <laughs> wisdom? Or? I know, it's a no. lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah. Any other wisdom? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I feel like we spoke quite a lot. What, what's your biggest hope? Uh, yes, my biggest hope <laughs> is um, yeah, that we have that we move collectively move beyond this way of existing that's based on fear and violence currently and yeah that we yeah I mean you know biggest hope it, yeah gets pretty uh, <laughs> what's this called Miss Miss uh, Miss World like <laughs> <laughs> yeah world peace but the infinite and the intimate remember yeah that it, if if it is intimate and comprehensive ah, infinite and comprehensive and it's also like a very intimate hope as well if it's a yeah. hope for everyone it should also be a hope for yourself yeah yeah exactly for myself I really hope to to have moved beyond all violence in my life on very you know violence can be verbal and physical and yeah. thought uh, and can be very subtle. I think where there's so many subtle forms of violence that we do to ourselves and others that we're not even fully aware of, that are so normal in our in behavior of humans. Mm. Um, so yeah, to live, you know, from pure love all the time. That would be, you know, that would be quite amazing so yeah that's my biggest hope and I, I do also on a maybe that's still the kind of way that I see myself as separate you know the selfish kind of desire that I am that I can contribute to that that I can help or you know I do feel that that in me as well that I can be the the most expanded version of myself to contribute the most, yeah. Mm. yeah. <sighs> Thanks, Jane. <laughs> Thank you. On the cricket pitch. <laughs> I don't know exactly now if it's for No, okay. I'm gonna go to my friend who runs 
like of course these trees of course it's like dance classes for women that are you know about embodying the feminine again in different forms and well it's very accessible and very everyday but her her intentions are quite but maybe the classes just look like women dancing to Beyonce and you know having fun. Cool. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, because the well, I, there was a plan that I would stay in Melbourne now, and then I could teach for her as well. Because I've been for a little while was into. Well, I'm still interested in the. and to give a voice to the So... Should I ask you about it for the podcast? Well... If it's a basis for your interest? Yeah, but it's also... Then you have to like insert it somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I just do it and then if I don't... If I can't be bothered, I can't be bothered. Okay. Janine. Yes, Matt. Tell me about your practice with the feminine. <laughs> oh, okay, so... Or your interest in it or your journey with it. Yeah, this is something that's been... coming into my life maybe the last three years or so. Um from different angles one main uh, angle is through yoga and then through discovering tantra yoga um, which works a lot with uh, basically all yoga in a very simplified way is (laughs) aiming to discover the one in us let's say and tantra yoga is the the path where you're using the two polarities to get there I, I don't know if this is a very simplified way to put it the two polarities uh, you know one way that you can express them is masculine feminine or yin and yang in in Taoist practices um, so it has been um through that and then through doing the partner dancing as well where the women have a certain role the men have another role uh, the, the partner dance that I was getting into last year a lot called Kizomba it's a very sensual dance also so I, I became interested in what what the what the role of femininity what well what femininity is and then you know the role of sensuality and sexuality in in the feminine masculine and the feminine in both um, and also having come from a background where it was kind of well I don't know if it's taboo but it was definitely not yeah it was definitely a bit awkward like I have a very many friends who maybe don't identify you know either way uh, in their gender or uh, you know in the dance world many of my friends are gay 
so it's it was quite new for me to enter a, a culture or a scene where there was a lot of uh, yeah where openly women were embodying the feminine and men, men were embodying the masculine mm-hmm. and that was not seen as uh, too straight or too you know or not inclusive enough or yeah so it was quite a different culture to the one that I've been in most of my life where that would maybe be frowned upon by some of my friends um, so yeah it sparked an interest for me in in uh, what uh, yeah it's a huge topic like the what it is to uh, to embody the feminine in a in a powerful way in a in a just way also um, through in many forms and I do see it has really had an, an impact on my life in all areas um, but you know in the practices I guess it's come out in well in sexuality and in dance practice in uh, you know I, I, it's 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 an ongoing research I, I see that I'm drawn towards uh, dance forms that are using the, the pelvis uh, and this is not only feminine but if I look at a lot of traditional dances for women uh, there is a lot of focus on on the pelvis and moving the hips so um, for a while now I feel like my dancing has been very much spine pelvis and spine based you know connecting the the chest and the hips and it's not uh, it's not for nothing that these are uh, <laughs> that these are accentuated in uh, in many dance cultures. Oh. So, what I'm saying, what, what are you saying? How is it? Oh, there are many ways that it's happening in my life. Like I'm go, I'm interested in like booty dance classes, dance hall classes. I haven't done super much African dance but it's like it's a thing that's in the back of my mind the whole time to investigate that more deeply the Kizomba this dance form it does come from Angola so it is a an African partner dance that's really changed the way I dance I think um, and there's something about I did actually make a a little, I did do a little bit of research last year in Berlin in the dance studio actually about the the erot- erotic feminine in performance um, and I applied for some funding but I didn't get it and then it kind of faded away again So, um, but that was actually super interesting uh, to it's a really an area that I've, I've started to tap into um but it, it's so vast and there's so much there that it's, you know I, I definitely don't feel like I'm an, an expert on the topic yet but there's a, the, the erotic force in us is there undeniably and, it, and the acknowledgement of it and then harnessing it using it 
in a conscious way, I really see there's a way forward um, and a lot of healing to be done there um, that, that uh, ripples through on so many levels in our personal lives and in society. It's, it's, it's way more than uh, having better sex, let's say, if that's the, <laughs> uh, you know, the, that's the smallest little fruit of it, yeah. So, but this is another huge topic, I don't know <laughs> if we're talking about that now. Yeah, right. in yourself okay so I mean I'm kind of talking out loud and thinking out loud right now and feeling out loud but there is um, so you know if if we take the view that there are those two essential polar polarities, the the two forces of the masculine and the feminine within each one, but also we do see in the world that there are men and women and there are people who don't identify as either of them. Um, but I do identify as a woman and I... Um, you know I'm okay with that for the moment and I also think a lot of people a lot of people with penises identify as men and a lot of people with vaginas identify as women so um, seeing this happen basically what I see and what I've I've been in contact with people who have researched this a lot more than me but that a lot of violence currently in the world is rooted in uh, an, uh, a lack of understanding between the two uh, the two different ways of being of masculine and feminine which even within ourselves there can be a conflict and especially uh, you know, between people um, and then of course that one of the two forces has been much more dominant uh, in the world in the last decades or millennia you know, the time that we live in at the moment and that uh, one very convincing uh, Idea that I've come across is that one of the one of the most urgent ways that we need to one of the most urgent things we need to address is this imbalance between uh, the way the masculine has overpowered in in many ways on our planet uh, in in our behavior in and this of course you know it's in obvious ways like uh, the, the insane horrendous violence that's done 
to women uh, in many ways just because they are women um, but there's also just the the behavior of uh, the mask the masculine behavior which has can be used in such a powerful way but it's you know it's overused in 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 corporations in capitalism i think it's almost like you have to abuse the masculine to be successful in a capitalist society um so you know i'm just it's such a huge topic that i'm just kind of just like hinting at right now yeah. um, i especially like the word abuse because it's not in my experience working on this show about um the cultural narrative of how to be a bloke it's it is a, an abuse and a perversion of the masculine that causes the problem it is not a necessary form of the masculine yeah like a natural form yeah yeah exactly it's completely a um subverted yeah form and in all people as well and that when you mentioned about how the masculine and the feminine feminine exist within each one yeah that when you throw shame on one side of something Mm -hmm. i.e. the feminine then you cause an imbalance an imbalance of what you are allowed to be and what you are not allowed to be and so people strive to be more of that thing and then everything becomes imbalanced yeah and this imbalance causes systemic um, suffering yeah even within the people that are um, within the current system apparently successfully carrying out that imbalance or living within that imbalance or performance of the perversion of masculinity Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think it's a problem for all. Yeah. And as you said, it can be a very, very powerful force for good. Yes, and and uh, you know, so for, I think for a while I was much more in a, a victim kind of mode of. I think I even identified as a feminist for a while, and kind of the putting the blame on men you know this was in my early 20s and kind of and fighting against mm-hmm. um, and what I feel recently with this a new kind of awareness of through tantric practices also with this vocal work we, we work a lot with uh, really beautiful uh, healing and intentions between men and women and embodying you know their different uh, you know the women might be actually the ones carrying the baseline holding the space and the men might actually be the one piercing through with higher notes anyway it's really integrated in the work but so through all this kind of work what I feel where I feel now is that I'm becoming aware of of you know of my role in it or the role of re-embodying the feminine in a powerful way like how to uh, how to tease her out of me out and also out of men and out of women out of out of everyone how to welcome the feminine again in everyone um, instead of 
kind of attacking the mask, attacking the exaggerated masculine with a masculine approach. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. um, so. And it's and I think a, a lot of beautiful men I've been meeting in the last you know two years who are doing similar kind of work uh, on the level of the masculine. And this is very divisive, maybe you know, to some people. And and who knows? Maybe next year I will be focusing on the masculine in me. I don't know. But uh, at this point in my life, it it I've resonated more with working on the on the feminine or in me. And you know, I do think whatever. I'm just aware. I'm talking in an arts context where it's it's. It's not assumed that every woman feels feminine and every man feels masculine. So, mm. um, uh, and I see now ways in which I, as a, when I feel disempowered as a woman, ways in which I actually oh, it's so complicated. Ways that we are abusing the feminine also to, in a false way, try and regain power. Or ways in which I take on this this abuse form of the masculine to regain power, you know, all kinds of false ways of trying to trying to do things better or become more powerful, but actually they're not uh, working. So it's uh, a really beautiful deep process of of something about yeah about honing into our true power that's not based on putting anyone else down or that's really um, yeah it's a question what is the power of the feminine what is the power of the masculine they're both such powerful uh, forces Mm. and uh, yeah if you're saying like what are your hopes or your dreams like a world where we're in balance again with these forces like wow what would that look like you know Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really a a journey for me that I'm totally still in the midst of and but even just experimenting with with my sensuality as a woman and you know this kind of thing even just l- starting to just allow that kind of stuff it's been uh it's changed the way that I stand in the world and that I the way that I see myself and the way that I look at others also yeah yeah I guess it's all just part of growing up ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes but growing up is not one straight linear progression that is guaranteed no, no, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> yeah. I often think about what is the thing that I am doing, doing to me. The thing that I'm doing, doing to me, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's how I make decisions about what I spend my time on. Uh, yeah. It's a good one. Mm. Like, you mean, what's... 
the effect of what you're doing what does it do to your being mm. yeah yeah and just that you are not some kind of immovable force in the world actually you meet something and then through the process of you affecting it it also affects you through the process of yeah. you shaping it it shapes you yes and that, that would be a nice consideration for a lot of endeavors <laughs> yeah Thanks for thinking out loud. Yeah. <laughs>